Hey guys, your host, Avery Carl with The Short-Term Shop here. Welcome to our 10 episode deep dive on the Sarasota and Bradenton area, which includes all those fun barrier islands like Anna Maria Island, Siesta Key, really the west coast of Florida. And if you guys are ready to start buying in this market, email us at agents at theshorttermshop.com and we will connect you with our expert agents in this market. I also wanted to let you know that we have some supplemental materials for you guys available on our website. It's theshorttermshop.com where you can go and you can set up a search and look at properties, see what the purchase prices are in this market currently. And you can save your search so that when a property that hits the market in your price range comes out, we can email you and then you'll know right away. We've also got the AirDNA data, thanks to our friends over at AirDNA, for this market for the past few years to help you gauge what a property should be able to do. We've got a pretty cool calculator on the website also to help you tie everything together. So lots of stuff to help you along your way while you're listening to this podcast or and or if you just want to hang out with us more that's pretty cool because we want to hang out with you too and there's one good place you can do that it is our facebook group same title as my book it's called short-term rental long-term wealth it's just us and sixty thousand of our closest friends hanging out talking about short-term rentals sharing best practices and all that stuff so you can join that or if you guys really just want to talk to us directly if you have questions about short-term rentals we have an open office hours call every Thursday, and you can sign up for that at strquestions.com. Now let's get to the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Short-Term Show special episode series on the Sarasota and Bradenton markets. I've got John and Christina here again. You guys are super familiar by now. I think we're on episode eight, maybe. And today we're going to talk about common occurrences for this market from a management standpoint. So let's say you've already bought your property, you've closed. We'll talk about some common things that you run into when you're managing properties in this market. Uh, How's it going, guys, by the way? Fantastic. Awesome. Awesome. So do you guys want to start or I'll start? So the first thing that I think about when having beach properties in terms of maintenance and just general cleanliness is dealing with wet bathing suits, wet clothes, wet towels thrown all over the place and sand. So are there any particular like finishes or types of furniture that you guys stick to or or cleaning checklists to help mitigate the problems that can come along with that? Um, The majority of our, you know, it depends on where the property is located, I'd say, as to how big of a problem that is. Uh, but you know, the majority of the properties that we personally own are, you know, a little bit away from the beach. So basically a car ride away. So people won't be walking straight from the beach into the property. Um, they'll have to get in a car. So they'll wrap a towel around themselves. They'll wipe their feet off, something like that. Um, but one thing we do do is we kind of, we put a hose out in front of the property. Um, so when they pull in uh, from their car before they bring their, uh, you know, beach supplies, beach coolers, things like that, uh, even their feet that they can kind of like hose off and, you know, mitigate that sand coming into the property. Um, wet bathing suits, towels and stuff like that. Most of the time we see people hang those like on the, you know, around the pool area on the pool patio, the pool fence, something like that. So we don't necessarily have uh, a big problem with that in the house. Um, one thing that we have learned is that your washer and dryer, um, is very important and we've learned over the years that certain brands um, aren't as good for beach conditions as others and what i mean by that is you know i bought a very high-end ge washer dryer back in the day and we were having this problem with all these gray black streaks 
um, in the laundry. And the GE repairman comes out and he tells me that GE appliances have plastic glides uh, that the drum spins on. And when you get sand in there, those plastic glides uh, get all eaten up because it's basically like sandpaper eating away at them. And they start leaving streaks on the white linens. So he recommended, the GE guy recommended always getting a Samsung or an LG one, which use stainless steel rollers instead of the plastic glides. And, you know, he says he sees that more and more as the closer you get to the beach. So, you know, that's one thing I would definitely recommend is, uh, you know, a hose out front and making sure you get appliances that are uh, friendly for the sand. I hadn't thought about that. That makes sense. Good to know. That's a great tip to start off. I was going to say also another thing is just making sure to leave lots of like cleaning supply, like make sure you have a mop in the house and you have you know, a, a broom and a dustpan, because not only is it going to bother your cleaners, it's going to bother the vacationers that are in there too. They're going to be like, how can I get rid of the sand? You know, my feet are all sandy. And so I think having those tools in the house for them to use is, is good too. Yeah. Do you guys put any kind of sign by the hose that says like, hey, rinse your feet off here? Because I know for us, we don't, we've got to drive to the beach. And then when I you know, get the kids in the car, get them back to the house. And I think I've sprayed all the sand off their feet. Like all the white sand is, is gone. You can't really see any, but there's that kind of darker sand that like sticks to things a little more. You don't, you don't really see it until you've put your children in a white bathtub. And then it's like, and it doesn't just rinse out. It like makes these black smudges on the bathtub and you have to actually get like a Lysol wipe or something. Do you guys have that there? Is that a thing? Not necessarily. Okay. Um, you know, we just get the white beach sand all over the place sometimes. Uh, some guests are better at keeping it out of the house than others. You know, some guests basically turn the house into a beach. So, <laughs> um, like Christina said, giving them a way to clean up after themselves is, you know, a very good idea. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. So, uh, oh, back to the sign thing. Do you put a sign by the... We the don't, but that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, so that's something definitely we should probably do. Do you guys have a sign where you make people shower before they get in the pool? I don't do that, but I've seen people try to do that to try to keep sand out of the pool. And I just think it's a little over the top. We have outdoor showers and we have a sign that says shower. We don't, you know, mandate that people shower before they get in the pool. Um, sand is one reason why, you know, we would love for people to shower before they get in the pool. But the sunscreen is an even bigger reason. You know, the sunscreen uh, clogs the filter. If the filter is not flowing properly, then the heater's not working. Then you get calls that says the pool is cold. Um, you know, it's kind of like a, a spiral of events. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's not what you want. The, the worst thing you could possibly have is that shoulder season where the pool's a little too cold and it's supposed to be heated and it's not because it takes, you know, all day or the next day to get there. So if something's not working right with that, that's not, not a good thing for their stay. Uh, in terms of like wet bathing suits and towels. So I have learned the hard way and maybe there's other things that, that we could do to better optimize this. You know, people sitting on upholstered furniture in wet bathing suits, throwing wet towels on to like rugs, and then it kind of gets that mildewy smell. Do you guys have, ever have people do that? Or is there any way to mitigate that that you guys, I mean, because you can't just go get like a, a wood bench instead of a couch, you know? <laughs> sure. Um, I, I really don't see that that much. Christina, do you have any thoughts? No, I mean, I will say the one thing is we're really diligent about having our couches cleaned. Like we have a steaming company. I think it's a steam company, John. 
it comes and cleans that. So we do keep up that way with it, but we haven't had a lot of like staining or mildew smell or anything like that that I can think of. Well, that's good. That's good. I found, you know, this is just, hopefully people have the sense not to sit on our couches and chairs with a wet bathing suit. But if they do, you know, it's just, this is just a market where we're going to have to replace our couch more than other markets. So, um, all right. So that's a, just anything else around general, like maintenance because of beach stuff, uh, before we move on to other things, I don't think so. Okay, good because I think the next few might might take the rest of the the time up. So let's talk about beach conditions. So red tide happens sometimes. Like it happened really bad. Was that last year where red tide was real bad? And then it doesn't happen every year. Like it, I don't think it happened this year. Um, but what do we do about that? <laughs> this year was a little bit different because we got red tide in the winter from the hurricane. Normally, it's you know uh, primarily in the summertime. Um, you know, red tide is a challenge. Uh, it's, it's you know, guests question it frequently. Um, you know, the best place that we found to go to get information about red tide is the Moat Marine Laboratory website. I think the site's called visitbeaches.org. Um, and they have specific red tide reports um, for each location. You know, so each individual beach um, will have a red tide report. It'll tell you uh, how um, how the odor is, how the, you know, if there's dead fish on the beach, things like that, you know, if, if there's respiratory irritations. So by having that information, um, you can kind of steer guests to one beach versus the other or providing guests with that information. They can kind of, you know, go to one beach versus the other because, you know, a beach that's a mile apart, one might have significant red tide and the other might not. Um, also, you know, having the pool and having a property that's a little bit off the beach um, kind of like our properties, it gives the guests the opportunity to still be able to enjoy the outdoors of Florida. Maybe they go to the beach for a little bit and the red tide is, you know, it bothers them, but they can still enjoy it for a couple hours and then they come back and hang out at the pools. Oh, that's actually, I, I forgot to ask us to give a definition of what red tide is. We just kind of went right into it. So what is it and why, why do people not want to come to the beach when we have it? So... Trying to think of the proper definition. Uh, is it's, it algae bloom? Is that I think it's an algae? Yeah, algae bloom, I believe. Yeah, it's an algae bloom that's um, exasperated from the runoff from the rivers and the creeks. Uh, so when there's heavy rains, the fertilizer washes out into the streams that go out into the Gulf that basically feed that algae bloom, and basically the algae bloom is a respiratory and eye irritant. So it burns your eyes and makes it harder to breathe and it kills uh, the fish. So you not only have the irritation um, you know, to, to one's person, but you also have the dead fish on the beach, which is obviously um, not ideal from both a smell perspective and from a you know a visual perspective. Right, so, okay. So it, it's an algae bloom. It can make you cough and stuff, kind of give you cold related symptoms. And then it's also, it can make the beach really stinky because of the dead fish, because it kills the fish. So. Guys, that's why people might not want to come to the beach when there is red tide. So is there a threshold for this website, visitbeaches.com, that if it says over a certain number that is kind of your threshold for, okay, like this person's being unreasonable, this is not a big deal, we're not going to cancel for this, or like, yeah, this kind of sucks right now, here's your money back? Um. I, I guess it kind of also goes back, you know, there's different colors, like green if it's good, you know red or, or i'm sorry yellow or orange if it's kind of like you know there's there's some red tide out there and then it goes to red when it's you know really bad 
Um, but again, I kind of go back to, you know, is it just one beach that's experiencing that, you know, a bad red tide and the other ones are pretty reasonable? Um, or is it, you know, all the beaches, you know, in the area that are experiencing bad red tide? Most of the time, it's it's very rarely every beach, I guess I would say. So, you know, they may have to drive an extra mile or two one direction or the other, but they can usually get to, you know, a very nice beach that may only have a minimal impact from the red tide. Um, you know, ultimately, it's the guest decision. We try to educate them and, you know, uh, explain to them the circumstances and that, you know, we're not directly on the beach. So, you know, you could still enjoy the home um, and the pool area. Uh, but, you know, you might not necessarily be able to go to the specific beach that you wanted to, um, but there may be others in the area comparable. Okay. Well, that's smart then that you can say, well, you can come hang out at the pool. This one beach that's your favorite might be a problem, but these other ones are fine. I didn't think about the fact that it might be different at different local beaches. Um, all right. Next, do you ever get people who get there and they check in and then it's rainy or not sunny or you know the ideal scenario for a beach vacation and they they get there on a rainy week and then they want some kind of compensation or discount for that we've had those questions asked and you know i can't control the weather you know <laughs> so i i honestly i personally don't offer discounts for you know things like that i feel yeah. like here you know you look at the weather you know the weather channel or on your phone on your app and then you see like rain and people start to freak out but here in florida like it's typical where it will rain for an hour and then it clears up and it's hot and sunny and great and you know, you're still able to go out and enjoy the pool and the beaches so i think people that aren't super familiar with florida will question the weather when they see that yeah that's a good point i mean when it rains it doesn't rain all day usually it usually only rains for a couple hours and you know sometimes it rains and this you know Know, the sunshine is out. So um, there's. Yeah. So I think that's a pretty good, like universal answer. And that's kind of what I was expecting you guys to say is like, we can't control the weather when it comes to, is it sunny outside? Is it rainy outside? That's not, you know, you, you paid to book this house for a certain amount of days and that's what, what we gave you. So let's move on to the thing that I'm sure everyone is waiting for us to bring up as they're listening to this. And that is hurricanes. So hurricane season happens every year. And I think it starts with June 1st or July 1st. Does it technically start? Um, I think it's, it's sometime like, like way early. Yeah. Yeah. June 1st, but we don't typically start seeing any, anything crazy. And by crazy, I mean, like we don't really, nobody looks at Mike's weatherpage.com until, or spaghettimodels.com until uh, August is when we start seeing some named storms actually maybe possibly coming um to one of our coasts so how do you handle let's say there's a tropical storm not yet named out there maybe it's in the gulf maybe it's not and guests start future guests start asking questions you know they're coming next week it's supposed to hit next week maybe not what do you guys what's kind of your process for working through that with them the, the first thing i normally do is just try to calm them down you know yeah. People who aren't familiar with hurricanes um, and just see that, oh, my goodness, there's a hurricane coming. You know, I just try to explain to them that, you know, that hurricane is probably a long ways away right now. It could go a whole bunch of different directions. You know, if you look at some of the spaghetti models, you know, it may go in three different circles before it even, you know, hits landfall. Um, right now, you know, say it's a week out. It's, it's too early to tell. Um, you know, as it gets closer to when, you know, the storm is scheduled to make landfall and, you know, as the likelihood of it coming towards us or near us, you know, increases, you know, then we kind of 
cross that bridge or continue that conversation at that point. And do you ever see people that, because a lot of people don't realize just how much coastline we have in Florida. So, you know, we're, we're recording this a few weeks after Idalia and that hit kind of the big bend area of Florida. And I, so many people and like my family members and stuff were reaching out to us way over here in the panhandle, almost to the Alabama line saying, are you guys evacuating? Are you guys okay? And we're like, it's not even cloudy here. It's sunny out. <laughs> um, so I think people don't realize that just because it hits one part of Florida, it doesn't necessarily affect all of Florida. So how do you work through that with them? So say maybe something's headed towards up here in the panhandle, but you guys aren't going to get anything. How do we work through that? It, again, it's communication, uh, communication and education. You know, sometimes a message over the Airbnb app or VRBO app isn't the best way to do it. Sometimes you got to pick up the phone and kind of talk through it with them and help them understand, you know, exactly what you just said, just because there's a hurricane coming in the vicinity of Florida doesn't mean, you know, our specific area is going to be impacted at all. And I think most people just don't, they just don't know, especially if they're not from here, they just think hurricane and then it's on the news and it's on all social media. Like even, you know, my family's in Michigan. And so they'll start texting me and calling I'm like, can you just please stop? <laughs> like, it's not that bad. Like, it's really not like, yes, it's West coast, but you know, like you were saying, not close to us. We're, you know, we're in the pool. <laughs> stop. And yes. so I think it's just educating and talking to people and telling them like, no, we're a few days out. Worst case scenario at this point, you could see, you know, an afternoon of rain, but nothing heavier than a typical, you know, rainstorm. So I think it's the education part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And just, and just working through that with them. But what if we get to the point of like, all right, y'all crap, looks like it's coming this way. And it's named and it's on its way. You guys given, you guys given refunds for that. If, if it's coming around right. us, then okay. Yes. You know, yeah. I, I mean, we, if there's a, if there's a real threat, then of course, um, you know, if, if again, like Christina said, if it's bright and sunny out and we're in the pool and, you know, it's probably not going to have any impact on us and, but they're just paranoid, you know, most likely not, but you know, we, we try to put ourselves in the traveler's shoes and be reasonable. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If it's something like that and it's coming, like you gotta, you gotta give people their money back because they, you can't expect them to cut. We see people here, the phrase that I use. So we have this little area called Crab Island. That's not actually an Island. It's just a really shallow part of the Bay. That's like really, really clear. And a lot of people go out there and park their boats. And by a lot of people, I mean, thousands and I won't go there, but people say it's fun. It used to be fun back in the day before it was thousands of people. <laughs> and uh, people will go out there when it is just nasty and it's raining and the the gulf looks like crap. And you say, like, why would you do that? Why would you go out there on a jet ski and and sit there in the gross bay water when it's not even nice out? And their answer is always, well, I paid too much to be here not to. And I feel like if you don't allow someone that that refund, then they might still come and they might get in a bad position because that's, you know, it can be expensive to go on vacation and people will do do things that they wouldn't normally do that are not a good idea because they paid too much not to enjoy that that thing. So I think we got to, if, if the hurricanes come in this direction, we got to just give them the, the refund. Now, moving towards the backside of the hurricane. So the hurricane's gone. What about, you know, maybe it came through a few days ago and it's fine now, or maybe it's not fine. Maybe there's a little damage. What about your your bookings after that? What, how I know, of course, the answer is it depends, but how do we work through that with, with potential guests if there's really not much damage uh, or really maybe not not any damage in your general area, but maybe, you know, 
a couple neighborhoods the other direction? Um, uh, like you said, it's it's kind of a case by case basis. But mm-hmm. you know, for example, we had Hurricane Idaya come through last Wednesday. Um, I had five different reservations checking in Friday. You know, prior to Wednesday, everyone was questioning how the hurricane was going to impact their reservation. You know, I explained to them, like, just like we talked about, let's wait and see. Doesn't look like it's coming this way. We should be fine. Um, you know, as it was passing or as soon as it passed, people reached out and like, is the property still standing? And, you know, mm-hmm. all those questions like, yep, everything's fine. You know, we had to pick up a little bit of debris in the yard, but the property will be 100 percent, you know, for your arrival on Friday. Gotcha. All right. So um, I think that's it. Anything else that we deal with a lot when it comes to hurricanes and communication with guests about that uh, or anything that we do to if we have a property that we own in this market, we've got the guests situated, but it looks like a hurricane's coming this way. Do we do anything to prep that or, you know, do we throw the the pool furniture in the pool and board it up or how does that typically work? Um you know, we'll generally go around the properties and pick up anything that's loose, anything that can be, you know, thrown around with heavy winds. Um, if you got a place to store the pool furniture, great. If you got to throw it in the pool, that's always an option. Um, <laughs> keeps it from blowing around. Uh, but yeah, normally we'll we'll prep the patios and the outdoor areas, um, you know, for a storm similar to like we had, you know, with Idalia, if it's something that looks like it's going to be a direct impact, which knock on wood, we haven't had in recorded history down here, um, then obviously we would take other precautions where, you know, you're talking boarding windows and standard, you know, procedures for stuff like that. Yeah. And kind of going back to that cancellation too. I mean, not only does that guest want to cancel, like as owners, we don't really want anybody in our houses either. Like we want prep to do you know, it's much easier for us to do the prep and make sure that our houses are safe and that everyone's safe if no one's in them. So, you know, in addition to maybe cancellation, we will ask, you know, do we reschedule? We try to keep the revenue that way if their trans are, you know, if they're flexible, if they're driving here, then we also will try to reschedule. Yeah, that that's a, a very, very good point, Christina. Um, we don't we don't want guests there if there's problems with the property. You know, um, if we need to prep the property for the storm, we really don't want them there. If there's damage from the storm, we don't want them there. So, you know, our, our response and our approach to guests is kind of based on that. You know, if, if there's if everything's OK, then, you know, we want guests to be there. If there's going to be problems, you know, we, we don't want them there um, either. We don't want to potentially put them in harm's way. We don't want them to be in the way when we're trying to prep. And, you know, if the property is not. Uh, as advertised, you know, basically if things are broken or if there's problems and, you know, we're not able to provide, you know, what we advertised, uh, you know, we don't, we don't want them there either. Yeah. You don't want to just invite them into a bad review. (laughs) Sure. Cool. Well, I think that's enough on hurricanes. Uh, Let's see. What else is something that you just deal with fairly often or every now and then that that you think our listeners need to be aware of about this market? Um, Stina, any thoughts? I was just thinking pool heat, but um, John can probably talk a little bit more about this. Like sometimes the pool is too hot (laughs) or it's too heated. And John's kind of, you know, had some ideas on things to mitigate that and make sure that it's not too hot or we don't just throw ice in the pool. Like people laugh, like, can't you just put ice in that? Can't you cool it down somehow? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so, John, I think you can probably speak a little bit more to that and, you know, running the pool pump at a different time or. Yeah. Um, pool heat is definitely something that is, I don't want to say a challenge, but everybody has different expectations on what a heated pool means, it seems like. 
Some mm-hmm. people want to heat it like a hot tub, you know, others, uh, sometimes they think it's too hot. So, um, you know, we try to have automation systems to where we could adjust that temperature and adjust the pool pump um, remotely. Uh, to Christina's point, you know, sometimes in the summertime, uh, most of the summertime, we turn the pool heater off. And sometimes the guests think it's too warm. You know, the pool will actually get up to 92, 93 degrees. So to mitigate that, instead of having chillers, because, um, you know, they have a pool heater slash chiller to where it can cool the pool too. Uh, one thing we do is we run the pool pump at night. And what that does is it breaks the water tension when it's cooler out and allows the heat to uh, to uh, escape the water and therefore cool the pool a couple degrees more than it would otherwise. Um, you know, alternatively, in the wintertime, when we try to keep the pool warmer, uh, we start that pool heater, uh, I'm sorry, we start the pool pump with the heater, you know, earlier in the morning than we normally would. So we started at like six or seven in the morning so it could start heating the pool and be a reasonable temperature for the guests to enjoy it, you know, 10, 12 o'clock. So there's there's different approaches depending on what that season is and what that outdoor temperature is on how to keep the pool, you know, at an optimal temperature. And can you do all that remotely on your phone? Yes. Yeah, you I think the, that's something. Yeah, if you have the automation system, you can. Um, otherwise, you know, it's a lot more of a pain in the butt to have to send somebody down there to do it uh, manually. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And especially for remote owners, it's really nice to just be able to hit a button and and control all that stuff. So definitely a good thing to to mention. Uh, what else? We're coming towards the end of time. Uh, anything else that you guys run into? I think the pool heater is a good one. Um, I don't think I have any any other questions unless you think there's just something that folks need to hear about that we haven't touched on. I can't have anything specific off the top of my head. All right, cool. Well, guys, if you are ready to buy with John and Christina in that market, you can email us at agents at the shorttermshop.com and we will get you connected. Or if you just want to learn more about short-term rental investing in general, there's a few different things you can do. You can join our Facebook group. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth, same as my book. Or you can join every Thursday. We have a call, a a free Q&A live Q&A, and you can join that at strquestions.com to sign up. Thanks, guys. 